Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It's a massive criminal conspiracy dubbed Operation Varsity Blues that could have been called the best education money can buy. Wealthy parents from leaders in finance, philanthropy and law to Hollywood actresses paid bribes of as much as six and a half million dollars to get their kids into elite schools, including Yale, Stanford and Georgetown. Special agent in charge of the FBI's Boston division, Joe Bonavalanta, said parents, university coaches and a college admissions counselor were charged. The FBI uncovered what we believe is a rigged system, robbing students all over the country of their right at a fair shot to getting into some of the most elite universities in this country, such as Yale, Stanford, and Georgetown. Joining me is former federal prosecutor George Newhouse, uh, Theodora Oringer. This was such an elaborate, brazen scheme. As a former prosecutor, what strikes you as the most outrageous allegations? It's hard to choose amongst the um, the panoply of outrageous things that occurred here. Uh, the breach of trust is really probably one that's the most upsetting. The universities involved, which of course are the victims in this case, are truly doing their best to admit the best and the brightest and the most talented based on the merits. And to have something like this going on at the level that it's going on to the extent Call that into question. Also, the other thing that was very disturbing was the fixing of the test scores. Again, these colleges depend upon SATs and ACTs, these test scores, to provide an objective assessment of the student's abilities, and this calls into question whether those scores are reliable. So, very unfair. The architect of this massive scam, Rick Singer, pleaded guilty on Tuesday to racketeering, money laundering, tax evasion, and obstruction of justice. He cooperated and wore a wire. Does that give the prosecutors some evidence that will be hard to refute and may lead to guilty pleas? Well, there's no question it will lead to almost all guilty pleas. And by the way, not only was he wearing a wire, but you have to understand the chronology of the investigation, which is laid out on publicly available documents on the DOJ website, including a 100-page-plus affidavit filed by the FBI agent. So he was caught on a wiretap, what we call a C3, a Title III. And so for months, federal agents went up on a wire, which, by the way, is extraordinarily unusual in white-collar cases. This is a device that's typically deployed against terrorists and organized criminals and so forth. We think, I mean, my guess is for several months in 2018 until September 2018, the agents were recording conversations between Singer and his various clients, including um, the national head of a large international law firm. And they obtained an amazing amount of very rich and frankly irrefutable information because you're capturing live conversations between conspirators in which he elicited all kinds of damaging information. Then later, he would then, after he turned and began to cooperate, he also wore wires and made consensually monitored calls. So this kind of evidence, there's no explanation. There's no spin for it. Even a good defense lawyer can't cross-examine a tape. So you know, these cases will, uh, will fall into place very quickly. What are the parents who gave the money for these bribes actually charged with? And are any of them likely to serve any time, or is it going to be heavy fines and suspended sentences? 
It's a great question, and no one really knows. They're charged with serious crimes. They're charged with conspiracy to commit racketeering, believe it or not, which is, I mean, one thing I will say as a former federal prosecutor, the U.S. attorney in Massachusetts went a little overboard on the charging. This is not really a classic racketeering case. The pattern of enterprise that was occurring here really fits within the the paradigm of, of a traditional white-collar crime, although very widespread. But yeah, they're charged with conspiracy to commit racketeering, and when you plug in the sentencing guidelines for those crimes, even guilty pleas, they're going to be looking at potential sentences of several years. Now, whether they will get that, because all these people will, of course, being the rich and the famous and the wealthy, will hire very good lawyers who will present their case and ask for clemency. But I wouldn't be surprised to see some um, some short prison sentences handed out to the parents who paid outrageous amounts of money to get their kids into these colleges. As you mentioned, there was changing of test scores, photoshopping of supposed athletes' pictures in their sports. Is this an indictment of the whole admissions process that this could be done seemingly pretty easily? Well, I don't really think it is. I mean, first of all, this appears to be an aberrant situation. No one's ever heard of this occurring before. I'm actually involved in in the college admissions process for my alma mater, and um, there's never been any hint of this. The colleges generally do a pretty good job, at least the Ivy League schools, interview all applicants, so there's some quality control going on. So, And remember, the other thing is that the sports that were involved were what we call the minor sports, where it's fairly easy to fake participation. You're not looking at football, baseball, or basketball players where, you know, performance speaks for itself. That's not something you can can Photoshop a photograph and then convince a coach to take you. So I think this is an unusual case, a remarkable case, but I I don't think this is going to call into question the overall process and the fairness of the process. My question, reading this at first, was don't the colleges check up on any of this, the honors that you're given or or anything like that? Great question. Generally speaking, they do not. The quality control is done through the admissions process, but once those letters of acceptance go out, which will be going out across the country in several weeks, the colleges are relying upon the integrity of the people who write recommendations, and of course they're relying on their own in-house people. That's George Newhouse, former federal prosecutor, and he is now at Theodora Oringer. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.